everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fighting Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we kick off a brand new week in WWE as we are now two weeks away from the Warrior Rumble going down live from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, and a guy that I am happy to say is very salty this week. And not pissed off, but that is to be determined as we dive deeper into this episode. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. Uh, Not pissed off yet, just a little salty. You know, just bringing a little salt to the table, but uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Salt and shade is what you bring to the show every (laughs) single week. And I appreciate it. And as always, we have to dive into our second favorite topic besides WWE, and that is the NBA Western Conference standings. And we went through this off the air, but this conference is stacked with teams in the top four being very good. And after that, five through 13, it's very competitive. So let's start with your Lakers. Your Lakers, as of right now, is writing a one-game losing streak. No, I take that back. I don't mean to be shady. A two-game losing streak. Six and four in their last 10 games. They're 19 and 23. And they're in 13th place in the conference. As for the Warriors, they're 21 and 21, right at 500, six and four in their last 10. And they're on a one game winning streak after beating the Spurs in the Alamo Dome, crazily enough, on Friday night. So, Scott, your take on the standings and what the Lakers can do to get into the playing situation as we inch closer to the All Star break next month. Man, it's uh it's gonna be a tight race the whole way. Like we were talking off the air, man. This you go on a five game winning streak in the Western Conference, you're moving up three, four slots. But as far as the Lakers go, there has to be more offensive production from somebody other than LeBron. Um, especially when he's having an off game. Like he had an off game against Luca and Luca outdoed him. Like Luca hit the big shots, LeBron didn't hit him. Um but Somebody else has got to be able to contribute offensively. Defensively, like they they play pretty well. Like they make they get stops. They just don't hit timely threes. Like they'll be on a run. They'll get three or four stops on an eight zero run. If they hit this three, they I mean the momentum shifts. And they don't hit that shot. So you got to be able to just convert the the timely shots. And they're they're not doing that right now. No. And, you know, I go to the game on Thursday between the Lakers and the Mavericks, a very competitive matchup. And Luca hit two dagger threes. Same kind of Same spot. It was devastating. I called it because, like, I know Luca. He might not have scored in a quarter or two, but when it's clutch time, he's going to hit the three. Sure enough, he did. The Lakers tried, but that was a very heartbreaking loss at home as they were really on the edge of beating the Mavericks, but it wasn't meant to be. And the other thing is you can't put yourself in a hole like that. They went down 19 points in the first quarter. You, like, you can't do stuff like that. And secondly, you've got to be, you've got to know the situation. You're up three, and Luca's driving to the hole where you know you have help. And so you, if you give up a two, they have to foul, and you just go to the line, play up on him. You don't need to be playing back. He shouldn't be able to do no step back and create five feet on you. You should be up on him. And if you get the foul, then he shoots two shots. Luca's not the greatest free throw shooter either. Situations, man. You you just got to know the situation a little bit better. 
Absolutely. Well, a lesson learned as we will continue to follow the Wrestling Conference standings right here on The Wrap. But now it's time to talk about our favorite topic, WWE, and the fire sale that wasn't this past Tuesday night. Because rumors are running crazy regarding WWE being put up for sale. But I do want Scott's quick thoughts on Stephanie McMahon resigning as co-CEO of WWE and leaving Nick Khan in charge of the day-to-day operations as Vince has reassumed power in more ways than one, is reclaiming his title as the true chairman of the board of WWE. I think it's kind of shocking, like for Stephanie, you know, for her to have been whether she is legitimately has any part in it or not. For her, she is kind of the face of that women's revolution as far as the corporate standpoint um, in ring. You know, you can decide who is that. But as far as the the corporate and the business side of it, it's been Stephanie McMahon. She's been very adamant. This is, you know, we're taking over. We're doing this. The women are doing this. And she's always been at the forefront of that. So. For her not to be there anymore, that's going to be very different. Uh, just not to have like she, the McMahons are a they each have a big presence to them, and like even when Shane left, that was a big presence, a big void that wasn't there. Like Stephanie, that's that's a big presence that's not going to be there. Like when she makes sporadic appearances, it's cool, and so, but it like I, it's just a shocking thing that she's not going to be a part of WWE from the business side of it when she's been the face corporately of that women's revolution for so long. Yeah. I think about Stephanie being part of the WWE since basically getting out of college and this is her dream. She has been a WWE lifer her entire adult life. And it's crazy that she resigned from chief brand officer gets back in power as co-CEO and I think the people behind the scenes in the town that really love and respect her and for her to completely detach herself from WWE, not even not even being a member of the board of directors anymore. That is a true I am gone situation. And that is really stunning because she was really outside of Vince, the last McMahon standing in the family that was hands on in WWE every single day. And it really speaks to the rift between Vince and her and in some ways, Paul Levesque as well as how they really cannot coexist in the same company. I don't want to get into their family dynamic, but it's telling that she completely removed herself from WWE in that way this past Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially um, you know, when you think about, she is kind of in the middle of it, you know, she's the daughter and she's the the wife, like, and she's not someone who's going to shy or, or doesn't seem like someone who is shy away from giving her opinion or letting her voice known. And I'm sure she's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. We, I'm not going to be in the middle of no fight at Thanksgiving or, you know, whatever holiday coming up at the, you know, 4th of July cookout, y'all ain't going to be fighting and I'm going to be in the middle of it. I got to solve it. We ain't doing that. So I'm going to just take myself out of the equation. I I honestly think that's that sounds about right. Could be a big part of it. She's like She's like, I'm just not, I don't want to deal with that right now until y'all figure this out. Because I'm sure if she wants to get back in, she can get back in. Definitely. But we'll see. I mean, we've seen this story before last summer. We thought she was gone. Five weeks later, she's back. Then she gets a full-time gig. And then she's gone again. We'll see how this story goes, but I cannot imagine Stephanie being gone from WWE forever because it really is in her lifeblood. As we segue into the craziness surrounding a potential sell 
of WWE. It is on the block. It is official. But there was a story that was leaking on social media on Tuesday night that freaked everyone out. And some people that I like a lot were dropping some teasers saying, oh, my God, guys, if this is true, it's going to change everything. This isn't good. Big news imminent. Big news breaking soon. Oh, my God. Just a lot of conjecture on the timeline, freaking everyone out. Even NXT live in progress in Orlando, people are getting this on their phones and they're like nervous as to what's going on. So the big story that was breaking online was this potential sell to the Saudi Public Investment Fund. And everybody was just saying, oh, God, it's going to be a walkout. It's going to be the end of times for WWE. I was kind of nervous as well, but it wasn't verifiable proof, even though people said it was a done deal. It was confirmed. And then the next day, WWE says, you know what? That's not exactly the case. We're we're up for sale, but we're not selling as of yet. There are many more interested parties in our company. And that's just one of many. And I honestly think this was a jump scare. This was a leaked story sent to someone that blew it up from Reddit to online. And it was spoken as if it was a gospel truth when it wasn't. I think it was a way to see if there's more interest from Comcast, Disney, Netflix, Apple, for example, to drum up the price to buy the company outright. Because if the reaction we got on Tuesday was an indication I don't think WWE would be wise to sell to the Saudis because that was a, whoo, the world is ending. It's Y2K. It's Twitter ending last month when it really wasn't. It was a full on panic that I have not seen in quite some time when it comes to anything WWE related, even with Vince's departure last year. Yeah, this was absolutely a pump fake to see who's going to jump. Talent. Uh, sponsors, just anything like that, just to see who's going to react to this news. I mean, how are they going to react to it? I think that's spot on. It's kind of like we talked about off air. <clears throat> you know, this was really to see like how, how what's what's the reaction going to be? How how is this going to be viewed in the public eye? Um, the you know this, I think that whole thing was it's it's interesting when you think about it that a story like that can leak. And I'm wondering what what grounds it leaked on. Like, what was the what was the 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 who gave that information? Where it was like, oh man, this has got to be true. To where it got to, you know, a Reddit leak, and then it got to here, then it got to there. Like, that's that's 100 an intentional leak because there's no way information that big makes those kind of circles with those kind of names without it coming from a either a reputable source or someone was just blatantly lied to. That's what I'm guessing too. Was somebody lied to because this was so it is if this was a done deal and this is people that stood by the story and it might be true down the road, but I was just stunned at the teases for me. I think that if you're in this business, you want to give out the best possible information. You don't want to tease. Oh my God, when you find this out, you're not going to believe it. Just say it. Or are you going to put it behind a paywall? Do what you need to do in order to give out the best possible information. I'm not a big fan of teasing that way because I don't think the news of WWE being sold is going to be broke by a wrestling journalist. It's be broken by the Wall Street Journal, by Bloomberg, by professionals that know Wall Street very well. And it's no shade to wrestling journalists, but I just think this is a prime example of what happens when you get some either untrustworthy information or information that's simply not confirmed right now, which had everybody in a tizzy on Tuesday 
me kind of included. But the fact is, you have to be very mindful of the information you have and make sure that you're vetting it thoroughly before leaking it out for everyone to see. And I think news like that, that magnitude, when you're talking about a company of this magnitude, when you're talking about a price point of that magnitude that they would have to sell for, I mean, that's that's a story that needs to be confirmed before you start saying, hey, this is what's going to happen, you know? And like you said, from those type of outlets, it's, I mean, that's, I'm just, I'm just curious as to the person who got this lie, you know, the person who got this lie and started this lie, how were they feeling? You know, are they still a reliable source? How are are they going to get, you know, are they going to stop getting good news tidbits? Are we going to find out you know, who the sword, like, that's the type of stuff I'm thinking about. Because again, this was a blatant lie this person was given. Nothing more. At least that's how I'm taking it. At this point, I have to agree with you. And I hope they can get better sources or, you know, vet better. Because that was definitely a choice on Tuesday. And this has been a lot of egg on your face this week regarding several stories that wasn't meant to be across wrestling. But this story regarding WWE being sold was the biggest. And I don't expect to sell until the summer because it takes a while to finalize a deal and you have to, and you also have to take into consideration the rights fees deals. If you're selling the company, is it going to be to a media conglomerate like Disney or Comcast and they can keep it on their stations or are you going to sell to someone else and they have to sell WWE to another network? We'll see how it goes. But yeah, this was quite the adventure on Tuesday and somebody definitely got owned in a big way and hopefully they can clean it up down the road as we segue into some stuff regarding Monday Night Raw from this past week back to regularly scheduled programming regarding what's happening on your screen in WWE I have to talk about a pairing that I don't really care for on Monday Night Raw it is JBL and Baron Corbin and I've tried to show grace for the last couple of months but this partnership sucks And, you know, I really don't care for JBL, but I like Baron Corbin. I think JBL is a good promo, but in this day and age, the material doesn't hit for me. And the fact that he has forgot how to tailor his suits is even more insulting. So that's a double whammy for me. It's it's embarrassing. This guy is wearing MC Hammer parachute pants (laughs) on a a regular basis. (laughs) That is great. I mean, he's a walking fashion faux pas, and I can't ignore it. And then Corbin is supposed to be the new wrestling god. Like, that's insulting to me when JBO wasn't all that to begin with as his own wrestling god. So this dynamic absolutely positively sucks. I want Baron Corbin to be broke again. That was his best character ever. And this dynamic simply does not work. They have no chemistry. They don't gel at all. And Corbin is wearing this gear that does very little for him and it's still the same aesthetic. Nothing has changed with this character and it sucks. And I want to like this guy outside of WWE when he's fixing Wagyu beef on Instagram or playing up, up, down, down games with Xavier Woods and the crew, Tekken, whatever. He's fun. He's funny. He's exciting as a personality, but here it's just dry bones and bare and I'm over it. I'm sorry, Scott. I've tried. No, it's fair. And uh, I'm with you. I like both of these guys individually. I, I know, 
JBL is not everybody's cup of tea, but I, I enjoy what he brings to the table. He, he hits hard, and I appreciate that. His clothesline from hell is one of my favorite finishers. Uh, I do think he's still a good promo. The, the 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 pants, man, like there's so much room in those pants and the leg. Like he could fit two of his legs in one of his, you know, one of his leg sleeves. It's crazy how baggy they are. Um, I think the problem is there's a huge disconnect with the JBL character and how he's how he's cutting his promos, how he's presenting Baron Corbin and this Baron Corbin character. I know they wanted to put him together because, you know, Baron Corbin hit the, you know, hit the money and he's got the money and JBL's always been about Wall, you know, the Wall Street and all that stuff, you know, being that guy. But if you're going to pres- if you're going to have JBL out there cutting these kind of promos where he's going at the audience and he's not saying it because they're poor, he's saying it because, you know, they're idiots and they're walking off fours, the basic, you know, the basic stuff that a heel says. I, I like his delivery, but it's basic stuff. And you're presenting Corbin as this killer, as this wrestling god, which he's not. And I, I get it. That's the whole gimmick is they're not that great in the ring, you know, quote unquote, but they they call themselves wrestling gods. Then Corbin needs to go back to that lone wolf gimmick from NXT. You know, you can, you can, it doesn't have to be the same thing, but that's how he needs to be carrying himself. That's how he needs to be walking to the ring. He can't have that. That 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 uh, um, that uh, Las Vegas music playing when it's a complete disconnect. I, I the the characters just aren't working when it's you you said something off air. It's like putting two batteries together and not getting no charge. Well, yeah, it's because they're the exact same batteries. Yeah, and I, I still think JBL can bring something to the table as a manager. I still think Baron Corbin can bring something to the table as uh, this bully heel that the baby faces have to overcome. I just don't know if they can bring something to the table together, at least that anybody cares about. I don't care. See, there you go. There There's you go. nothing he can do to make me care. He can go away. Him and his parachute pants can go back to Bermuda at this point. Hate to say it, but it's true. I have hope for Baron Corbin, but Lord, it's very thin right now, but I'm trying here. I'm trying very, very hard, but this dynamic simply does not work on any conceivable level. And as you mentioned, Scott, the freaking Titantron of the cha-ching at the jackpot, like it's all wrong. It's cheap and it's out of place and it's not Baron Corbin. We watched a takeover last year, and that's the Baron Corbin I know and love. This right here, I don't know this man. I thought that's what they were going to do. When they brought JBL in and he's cutting these pretty serious, like, you know, Corbin's about to take over, he's dangerous and all this stuff. I'm thinking, oh, Corbin's about to go back to a a new version of his lone wolf gimmick where he's probably not going to say much and he's just going to go in, hit the big moves and walk out. That would have been great, but it's just the same happy Corbin just with JBL. And it sucks. Yep. And I am ready to move on because I've dedicated too much time to two very boring people. One I kind of like, one can get off my screen as soon as possible. And I guess you can figure out which one is which (laughs) at the end of the day. (laughs) Just saying. Bermuda shorts. That is all. As we segue to... My favorite hardened criminal, Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio appeared on Ms. TV. 
looking like his Uncle Conan. This dude had the audacity to wear shades, a bandana, an oversized plaid shirt, as he really tried to be about that life for his hours in county jail just a few short weeks ago. He compared himself to Martha Stewart, Scott. (laughs) He said now he knows how she feels. Well, I have a question for you, Dominic. Did you sew like a, a sweater during your time in county jail? Did you pick up some sewmanship skills during your time? Did you pick up some knitting while you were behind bars for those hours you spent in the pokey? Tell me that, Dominic. Tell me how you got your tear tattoo on your face. Tell me the struggle as you said he had to fight off a guy on the top bunk who threatened to punch his face in and he had to step up to him like a man to become the hardened criminal that he is today, to be a felon with credibility and the Miz of all people the Miz can smell bullshit a mile away and said dude weren't you at county for a few hours didn't you get bailed out the same night like there is no sense of logic or truth to your story and then judgment day tries to roll up on the Miz and I just thought Dominic's performance was great Finn Balor is my low-key MVP because we've been talking about the Finns for a very long time. But ironically enough, it's Dom who has more street cred than Finn, which is shocking to me because I was about Finn, you net, and I'm about that Dom life. So I am very confused as to how we got here with Dominic being the G of Judgment Day. And uh, let's 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 uh, start from the beginning of that when they first came out. Let's all acknowledge the. Grand Theft Auto pose they all decided to strike there on the ramp. Um, you know, I'm definitely here for the, it's still Finn unit. Let's, let's not get it twisted. Don may be the, 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 the lead, the lead G right now, but it is still Finn unit. They are still repping purple Finn gang all day. Um, I would also like to shout out Corey Graves here for a minute. Uh, dropped a little Tupac line, you know, I don't bail fresh out of jail, Alabama dreaming. Uh, you know, soon as he steps in the ring, he had his mommy screaming. Uh, so I appreciate the Tupac drop. <laughs> Actually, let me not give Corey Graves too much credit. He ain't do that last part. I did that, but I give Corey Graves credit for dropping the Tupac line at the beginning. And what's what's the other announcer's name? Kevin, Kevin Patrick. Kevin Patrick. He didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Kevin Patrick was completely lost. I don't even know if he knows who Tupac is. So that's a whole other. <laughs> he was awful, by the way. Now that we're, now that I brought him up, he and he really stood out. We're going to get to it, but he really stood out during that tag match, that gauntlet match. But yeah, this this was great. Finn uh, Dominic has embraced it. I like how even Miz was like, dude, like you you didn't really do that hard a time. Like, he called him out on it. Priest was like. Maybe you had wrong information. Maybe you got wrong information. It's like, yeah, I think so. I, so I like that. Even the heels are calling out Dominic. Even they're like, yeah, dude, we don't know about that. So this whole thing is great. Dominic's embracing it. Rhea's great on the side, just doing little things, like little side comments, like, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's back. Little things like that. I, the whole thing works. It's great. And Finn and Damian can bring the seriousness in the ring when they need to. So this is working for me. 
it's really the best of both worlds to laugh at Judgment Day and then realize you're a bunch of badasses at the exact same time. Rhea Ripley just compliments him so well as well as she sits in and listens to her guy spill about his prison life stories and The Miz buying none of it. And I talked about this recently about Kevin Patrick and this guy, with all due respect, is not very good as the voice of Monday Night Raw where is Tom Phillips Where we when we need him the most? Because I've been saying this for a while now. I also try to show grace and patience and understanding. But Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick are also like two batteries. They don't charge when they're against each other. When they're on the same side, it is, there's no electricity. There's no spark. It's just very forced by Kevin as he's trying to figure out how to be a lead announcer. And... I am going to be very brazen in saying that I think that Paul Levesque made a mistake by firing Jimmy Smith. I think Jimmy was decent at his job. It was a bit more authentic and real. And Kevin Patrick is better as a backstage interviewer because I thought he really was clicking in that role after a rough start. I love his dynamic with certain people backstage, specifically Kevin Owens. But this dynamic with Corey Graves absolutely does not work for me. I want it to be over soon if the powers that be see the light. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a, I think he's actually a really good backstage interviewer. I thought he... Uh, I liked his voice backstage mixing in with everyone because he sounded different from all the other interviewers. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, You know, when it comes to the, the announcing thing, it's just that raw lead announcer has just been a revolving door since Michael Cole went to SmackDown. Like, they have, I, say what you want about Michael Cole, and people do say what they want about Michael Cole, but he's a steady hand who knows what he's doing and gets the points across. And when it's a big match, he's usually pretty good. So like, where's Michael Cole when you need him? You know, Tom Phillips. Yeah, he'd be great, but we're not getting impact is if impact has any type of brains, they're going to lock him up for life until he gets an offer. He can't turn down, but WWE, like who do you, who do you even turn to or try to go with, you know, like, the, uh, the gentleman from NXT, he's not quite ready. I, I, who do you, where do you even look? Do you, Jim, I think you're right. Jimmy was probably the best one they've had that's filled that role, but even him, and maybe it was with, maybe without Saxon, they would have fit better because I think Corey Graves has been pretty good. I just feel like he's had to do so much extra to make up for just kind of the lack of personality that Kevin brings to the table. It's been a lot of overcompensation, yeah. and you can yeah. tell. And at this point, Corey can be lead. He knows moves. He can tell a story. I think he'll be good in that role. He definitely did that for Anna Dverk last year, which was, whoo, that was a moment too. So we've had some rough goes on commentary on Monday Night Raw. Hopefully it gets better very, very soon as we do segue into the purpose of Dominic on Miss TV, which was the tag team turmoil involving the Judgment Days, Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus the OCs, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson versus the Afro Academy. And finally, the team that would be last in this turmoil match would be the Street Profits. And WWE is employing a new strategy regarding the undisputed WWE tag team titles in that we're splitting, we're splitting the titles now. So if the Usos are going to be on Monday Night Raw, they'll be only defending the Raw tag team titles. And if they're on SmackDown, they're only defending the SmackDown tag team titles because there's a tournament starting on SmackDown next week as well. So I don't know how I feel about this. I would like one 
uniformed set of belts, not two being broken up. Cause I feel like the specialness of a tag team beating the Usos all right would be a little bit lost if you're splitting the titles now. I, I'm a little torn on it. I, I think I'm kind of on the other end of that a little bit more as far as I think it kind of adds a little bit that you're, I think you're able to get more opportunities. And now you can kind of tell a story of the Usos getting worn down. You know, you they're having to defend their titles on Mondays and they're having to defend their titles on Fridays. And I think that can be part of the story that you tell of them just getting worn down, having to defend their titles because they have two sets of them having to defend them on different shows two times a week. And I'm going to be real with you when it comes to the Royal Rumble and stuff like that. If we're going to do it like this, I'd have them defend it twice. Have them maybe defend them once on a pre-show and then have them defend another set on the main show. Have them defend them twice and really kind of hammer that home. I think there's a story you can tell with that. So depending on how they go about it, because that's it's always about the follow-up. I'm okay with it for right now, just because I do think we're going to get more opportunities. I think the tournament will be pretty good. I mean, that the first round matchup on the SmackDown side is Drew and Sheamus versus the War Raiders, and outside of you know them doing the the kooky, you know, Viking stuff that whatever that is, the match I think will be great. So, when in that perspective, I, I I'm okay with it because I think we're going to get some good matchups out of it with these tournaments and stuff like that. I think so too. I'm just a little mixed because I really want a specific tag team to finish no the Usos. And I don't want this shit split up heading into WrestleMania. Give me my moment, damn it. But hopefully they'll keep the titles heading into WrestleMania. As we dive into the turmoil match involving the teams I mentioned before. And it really didn't kick off until it was the Alpha Academy versus the Judgment Day. And I forgot about Shelter Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. They were, in, they were in this match too. They were eliminated second. But I really enjoyed Otis having his moment in the sun, trying to rock Damian Priest and actually had the win until Finn Balor, Abby the Wiley veteran, is going to have Shag Abel take the splash and Finn takes the brunt of the pain. Priest is going to boot Otis, hit a clothesline, pin him, but Finn's ribs are injured after the match is over. And Adam Pierce, noted WWE official, makes his way down to the ring to evaluate Finn Balor. And he tells Damian Priest, you have two options. One, you can forfeit, let the profits win outright. Or you can have Dominic Mysterio as your tag team partner. And hardened criminal Dominic Mysterio was afraid to be a tag team partner of Priest in this match. I was amused by this all this shit you talk about being about that life but you're not about that tag team life and even priest was like mm, i don't know if this is the best business decision for myself but i'll roll with it and sure enough it was priest and hardened criminal dominic mysterio versus montez ford and angelo dawkins in the final turmoil match of the night and i thought this was by far the best match on the show love the work Dawkins' dude has gotten into amazing shape in the last year or so. Great flip dive, wiping out Dom and Priest on the outside. And Priest sent the pounce to Montez as well. But once again, Montez Ford is absolutely amazing. Gets the hot tag, flies everywhere, double cross body on Dominic and Damian Priest. The highlight for me was Montez Ford sailing over the ring post. And we have Dominic in the tree of woe. And he wipes out Damian Priest and Montez hits a 450 in honor of his lovely wife, Bianca Belair, on Dominic Mysterio. But Priest breaks up the pin attempt and we have Montez Ford wipe out Priest. But in doing so, 
hardened criminal Dominic Mysterio is going to roll up, roll up Montez Ford with an assist from Rhea Ripley at the last possible moment as Judgment Day wins tag team turmoil and they will face the Usos for the Raw Tag Team Championship at a date to be determined. And you know what? Even though I want the Profits to win because it was a really fun match, I do love the fresh matchup of Judgment Day versus the Usos, preferably Finn and Damian Priest, not dominant situation against Jimmy and Jay. I like the freshness of this matchup, but it is weird. It's heel versus heel, even though I think the Usos will be the de facto babyfaces in this situation. Yeah, this uh, this was they. Let's the Judgment Day closed the entire last hour of Monday Night Raw. You know, let's let's think about that for a minute. Uh, we were talking about them when they first started, kind of being dead in the water, and now they're closing out the last hour. Uh, 15 minute talking segment and 45 minutes in the ring. Shout out to Damian Priest who went the distance. That's impressive for a big man. Um, I would also like to point out when, you know, Dominic was like, I, I guess Damian was like, all right, I guess he'll do. And then he said kind of real under his breath, but don't be soft, dude. And you could see Rhea slapped him on the arm. I'm like, come on, man. Don't say that to him. Like I, little things like that. I, I love the little things. Even they, they're like, yeah, I don't know about Dom. The match was really good. I, I like that each matchup felt a little different. Um, the OC, they're already kind of dead in the water, by the way. Um, so that's, there's that. Shelton and, and Cedric look good. Cedric came in hot right off the bat. So I really like that. Uh, Otis loved that. They, they could turn them babyface anytime they want, Alpha Academy. They're, the crowd is ready to get behind them. Chad Gable's excellent. Um, so that uh, this was a really, really fun match. And during the Street Profits part, as I'm watching that, the one thing I'm thinking as I'm watching Montez Ford, I think he's going to be an incredible top-level heel. I'm watching him move around the ring and – He's got a little Randy Orton to him, the way he kind of like slowly, methodically walks around and goes at him, talks a little smack and sm- and knocks him down. The way he was going at Dom, if he does that to a baby face, that's great heel heat. I I think Montez Ford, everybody can, you know, talks about him being this great baby face. I think he's he could be a, a great heel. And whenever they do split up, because you know WWE can't help themselves. He should be the heel man because I that's what I'm seeing when I'm watching that. It's like this guy, bump a baby face. This is a top level heel right here. I can see it too. I'm still looking forward to the Prophets breakup. We kind of teased a story earlier in the fall and they kind of dropped it due to Montez's injury, but he's back now. I do want to have that story told fully because even though I love the Prophets, they're going to split up, but I have hope. For Angelo Dawkins as well, because he's really good as a single star. And I don't think he's going to be hurt by this. There's always this stigma in tag team wrestling. Who's the Gennetti? I can assure you that Angelo Dawkins would not be the Gennetti in this situation. He's in great shape. He's improved a lot since his time on NXT. And there's viability in him being a single star. But there is so much value in Montez Ford being a future world champion in the next two to three years. Yeah, and I, I think there's absolutely a window there for it. You know, they're about to get a, a, a Hulu reality TV show. Like, you need to jump on that bandwagon. And I'm glad you brought, you mentioned that about Dawkins, who is someone who has started to get more recognition, and rightly so. And I agree with you. I 
not only do I not think he's not going to get lost, I think he's going to get pushed just as hard. Like I, I think he's going to have that admiration from the crowd. He's going to earn that respect and he's, he's going to make WWE have to put him in these higher profile situations and spots. I mean, every time he was given a singles opportunity, he knocked it out the knocked it out the park. So, um, you know, I know we're supposed to be talking about judgment day, but the, the street profits, that whole dynamic is very interesting because you could potentially be looking at two top tier stars on both ends. Like, Angelo Dawkins can be a top tier babyface. He's got great energies. He can fly. He's good in the ring. He's got good size. And man, I'm telling you, Montez could be that great heel that goes at him. You know, and maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I think that that is a great story to be told with those two that could go on. That could be one of those never ending rivalries. I agree. And I hope they go back to it. They played it up a little bit. Over the summer, early fall, the injuries happen. I think if they pick it up heading into WrestleMania season and really play into it this summer, it could be a really great story of how the tag team splits. They have great matches. They go on their own. And then I just think they'll thrive as two single stars. And I go back to Dawkins versus Rollins last year. A damn good match. Had me having palpitations thinking, oh, my God, he had a shot to beat Rollins. So he does have what it takes to be a great single star Montez Ford, obviously, as well. And I think that would be a good money ticket for WWE to play into heading into maybe post-draft if they're still on the same show by then. I hope they don't take the laser around to split them out right, keep them together, and then do the split on a show that makes sense at the end of the day. As we segue into the New Year's Evil edition of NXT going down this past Tuesday from the PC live on USA. And it is now the New Year's Scott. It signaled a new start on January 10th. So happy new year to you officially. <laughs> Man, I was, I couldn't wait. I, I, where was the, I was waiting on the ball drop. This is, I was so excited. I had my popcorn. This was great. I was waiting on the new year to happen between 8 and 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have your bubbly on standby to celebrate this oh, wonderful man. occasion? No, nah, I couldn't wait. I started at 7.57. See, that's just rude. That's just rude. You have no patience until 10.05 when the, I mean, when the had, new year really starts? Bottles. I had multiple bottles. How many bottles did you have? Tell me. Well, if we're counting beer bottles, oh I had five. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at you. The champagne of beer is what you drank to bring in the new year. And I would also like to say the beer was called the Nature Boy. Oh, my to keep on brand you <laughs> happy new year scott after all of that so he popped five bottle bottles of nature boy beer the champagne of beer apparently Pretty i good. waited patiently until 1005 right in time for the overrun to celebrate my new year <laughs> tiffany stratton returns <laughs> at like not even at nine o'clock she appears right. at 8 50 ish something like that and she's back and listen I like Tiffany Stratton. This baby doll valley girl voice has got to go. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, oh, is this an audition for the new Barbie movie? Is she trying <laughs> to be in the sequel? Because like, like, I'm a, I was a, I'm a, we both talked about it. Like, we were big fans of Tiffany. We think she, she's really, like, she really was picking it up and we enjoyed the improvement, but this was not it. This was not a good reintroduction. She got a great reaction. 
And then she comes out and cuts an awful promo, an awful promo. And the what she was saying, it was almost like, it almost made me feel like she was doing the voice on purpose because it fit everything she was saying. Like she literally felt like a Barbie doll out there talking. What she was saying, how she was talking. And don't you worry because this is going to be Tiffany Stratton's year. Like, let's come on, man. Get, you, I, I just, why would you do that to her? Why would you put her behind the eight ball off top? And she told me she putting the, the, the women's division on notice. Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. I didn't notice. And I love Tiffany. And normally she's a good promo, but this was a wreck. The voice was too much. It was very affected. I did not like this reintroduction whatsoever. I hope we kind of downplay this because it was not a good look. And I really think highly of Tiffany Stratton. But I'll be very bold in saying that when she took her time out to take care of some business, Soruka came for your crown, girl. Like she's snatching that thing and say, I got next, really. I'm the one that you might want to look out for that's going to be the breakthrough star of 2023. And I believe that because Soruka is improving rapidly. And Tiffany, you better step your game up because there is some competition coming your way as to who really has got next on NXT and possibly the main roster as well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought her up. And we're going to talk about her with the the Battle Royal we talk about in a minute. But yeah, I, that's another one who is rapidly improving. And not only that, but she's she's going viral. Like she's doing things that are getting people talking. That finisher she has is getting people talking. She had an entire sequence with, I think, Kiana James that is is online that people are like, oh, look at that. And it leads right into the finisher. Really, really nice, smooth sequence. I want NXT level up at that. So I, like you said, you, you go away for a little bit, somebody that's an opportunity for somebody to take advantage of. And she has done that. And she's not the only one like other look at, I mean, Roxanne, she's become the champion. I know she was already on her way, but who knows what happens if Tiffany's still around? Like who knows how things change? So yeah. And Alba, Alba, the the person she was feuding with, all these opportunities and spots start opening up when you lose a top level, even Wendy Chu, she didn't really do a lot after Stratton. So um, once when people leave, opportunities arise, and we've seen some people take advantage of that. Yes, and I remember I read The Division a few months ago, and look how it's been replenished. You do see people stepping up and getting better, and you see the improvement. We love to see it, and hopefully Tiffany gets back on track, because I did like her a lot towards the earlier part of last year, and then she left, and now she's back, and the reintroduction was a miss. I did not care for it. It did not set my new year on fire. It kind of made me want to hit the bottle twice as hard, but I am here anyway. And I am going to dive into the WWE NXT championship match between Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller. Now, the time of this match was timed with the social media. Oh my God, is WWE for sale. So I'm trying not to be distracted, but this match revealed a few things. Number one, Braun Breaker, I got to be real. This might have been one of his rougher performances. Everything was not clean during this match. Number two, the fans, I believe, were singing like John Cena's theme song, Braun Breaker Sucks. Did not like that at all. Number three, we had two contrived rope, break, rope breaks during this match. 
one before the picture in picture and one at the end of the match when Grayson Waller fell, fell out of the ring when the rope snapped. It was kind of believable, but you know, it was a gimmick at the end of the day. And number three, I think it's time for Blonde Breaker to get the hell out of NXT. I don't know how long they want him to be champion, maybe through Sand and Deliver in LA, but he needs to get called up for several reasons, get the hell out of this atmosphere and possibly work with different people and work on the road, get more reps in, and that'll allow for him to be a more cleaner worker because he's got next, but I think he's got to get out this environment because it is going to drain the life out of him. And maybe if he's gone for two to three years, he comes back as a, Big time champion. They will respect the work he did. But right now, I feel for him because I feel the backbiting from this fan base that is weary of him. And at this point, he might be weary of them as well. Honestly, I'm surprised it took this long for the NXT to completely turn on him like that. You know, especially the way he's been pushed. NXT at its best is always worked when when you have the young talent that you're that you know that you that is up next, that you're going to push, that you're going to try to make main event guys going against seasoned vets. We're not getting a lot of that right now at the top of the card in NXT when it comes to Braun Breaker. Um, JD was a great guy for him to work with. And that's I think that's why those matches really shine. Tyler Bate was a great guy for him to work with. He's been working with Von Wagner. They put on a good match. Now he's working with Grayson Waller. And you you still need vets for him to be working with while he's you know on the show like on on the TV shows and stuff like that and I think that's what's missing from Braun so I I think what you said is spot on it's time for him to leave but you know I the the booing and them doing that that doesn't bother me you know I I I think that's just that's just fans just being fickle they're just tired of seeing them they want something new and Grayson is a pretty popular guy down well. I, it, I guess he's not really right. He's he, he was the most hated guy there for a while. So I, it, that, that is an interesting dynamic, I, but it's, I, I think it's more so important for him to get out so he can work with more vets, more different styles and not just this PC style that everyone coming up is working. You know, I think that's a big problem uh, for Braun Breaker right now. And I, this match did feel like it was in slow motion. You know, it didn't feel like they were going full force, full throttle. And maybe that was by design since they weren't in the main event, which I also thought was a choice. I, I thought that was a very odd and strange choice. Even with the finish, you don't have your NXT title in the main event. Like, you don't want to make that feel like the main event, like the big deal it is. I I, I don't know. You know, it, again, Hunter, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels, HBK, Hunter Walker, Texas Ranger. He he's making decisions, man, and I I don't know if I really like him. Like this was clearly a show set up to build divisions today, a special used to build to the pay per view or the PLE. But I don't like doing that with your your world title. Like this is this is absolutely something you would see on Raw. You know, they advertise a world title match, they do the DQ finish, it leads to the pay per view rematch. I, I just I don't like it. I think you you you're not utilizing Braun to his fullest capabilities. If you were going to do that, then they should have had a quick ten minute match, and Braun should have been the one to spear Grayson Waller into the middle of the turnbuckle, and then it happens, or he spears him through the middle rope and just snaps it. Like that would have been a better visual of him spearing Grayson Waller just through the middle rope and just snapping the rope. You can cut the rope. 
You know, you can you can have some people in the ring and have the rope and have it cut just enough. Like there are ways. That, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I'm just overthinking it. But yeah, the match wasn't that great. I hope they do better in the steel cage. Um, but this this was not a this did not leave a good taste in my mouth for the NXT title. No, me either. I was also confused by the match placement, like the top of the second hour. This is not the main event. Then I thought about the match itself. It was not very good. I'm going to be very brazen and say this is probably Bond Breaker's worst championship match to date. And the finish, considering the work that we got in the match, I can understand why this happened in the middle of the show and why the, the match wasn't full throttle. It wasn't clean because the finish was going to be such a mess. But please, at least put in a bit more effort to make us care. And it was a little surprising to have Grayson Waller know that he Magna get cheered as the guy they wanted to see win the championship. And I'm very curious to see what's going to happen at Vengeance Day outside of the PC, Charlotte, North Carolina, primetime. The first time we've been out of the PC on a weekend in prime time in three years almost. And I'm very curious to hear the reaction to the stars, specifically Braun Breaker. Is this a Florida thing or is this a nationwide situation when you get the hardcores on the road to? I don't know. But this matchup left a lot to be desired. And we love Braun Breaker on this show, but it's time for him to move on. Yeah. And, you know, Part of me kind of, part of me thinks that maybe Grayson might actually beat him in the steel cage because he doesn't have to pin Braun Breaker. But I just feel like it, you're really missing an opportunity by not having Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes at some point for that title. Should be during WrestleMania weekend. Um, so I, I just feel like that has to be the end game. And we're not, unless, unless they're calling Braun up and we're going to get Grayson Waller versus Carmelo Hayes for the NXT title because Grayson would be a great heel for Carmelo Hayes, who's going to get cheered, whoever he goes against. Let's just, let's throw that out there. If he goes against Braun, there's no question he's getting cheered. So maybe they, maybe they do put the title on a heel for Carmelo to beat and, you know, have his crowning moment. That's a possibility. But then I think about stand and deliver. It's L.A., it's, oh, this time slot is going to be hell for the West Coast. You're going to go to a wrestling show at 10 a.m. on Whew. a Saturday morning. <laughs> First of all, get your caffeine ready. <laughs> Can so you imagine? They, they got to be there at like 6 o'clock. 6 a.m. Oh, my God. Can get you imagine? Ready. You got to get your outfit ready. You got to get there by 730. Oh, my God. So that's already hell. <laughs> You got people oh doing gosh. makeup at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I ain't had my coffee. You want me to paint on your face? Oh my Lord. So we're thinking about West Coast time, first of all. Second of all, it's California. It's LA. It's where the Lakers play. And you're telling me we're gonna pass up Mello versus Braun. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And that's that's my mind, and that's why. I think, you know, that's part of why I don't think Grayson will win, but I just, Braun's going to get booed out the building. <laughs> he's, there's no way he's going to get cheered against Carmelo. So part of me is kind of like maybe Braun loses and you just call him up and have him have a, just a great rumble and uh, debut. And then he has a nice WrestleMania showcase. But you're right. Braun versus Melo is the marquee matchup. Is the, you know what? Why can't Braun come back? Mm -hmm. why can't he lose go to the rumble have a nice showing 
you know, not win and then be like, you know what? But I'm back now and I want my NXT title. He could do that too. They're moonlighting on the main roster in NXT, so I would not be opposed to it. He can do that and he can finish his run in LA and then officially get caught up to the main roster post WrestleMania season and they can do the draft and he'll be settled in then. I think that makes a lot of sense. I just think that to me, if you really want Melo to be cemented as your champion, Braun losing to him is a way to go. And maybe you may want to have Braun be a little bit heelish on his way out too. Just a way to see what he can do besides being the white me baby face that people are kind of opposed to right now. So you can go in a number of directions, but I just think it's very difficult for me not to see Melo versus Braun in LA at 11 (laughs) a.m.? It should be 11 by then, right? (laughs) It'll probably be like 11.30, 11.30, 12. God, that day. I feel sorry for everybody on the West Coast. I truly do. I'm good. We're good. That's like East Coast time, one o'clock. That's lunch for me. The popping bottles were early that day. But shit. Good luck, guys. Even one o'clock is tough for a wrestling show in the middle of the day. So like 10 o'clock. I'm just thinking like that opening match. I don't even know if I want to be the opening match. Because are they going to be awake? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man right right at 10 a.m like good lord i i will admit that when we had elimination chamber last year i was in bed breakfast in bed at 12 o'clock because ain't no way i was getting that i was getting up on my day off <laughs> and sitting up no i was in bed eating breakfast watching elimination chamber even i have my limits of like i ain't up up yet i know that's right Mm-mm, I don't play those games. But yeah, that's going to be quite the adventure in April. Who Lord, praying for y'all now. As we segue to our main event, which was the 20-woman battle royale for a shot at Roxanne Perez's NXT Women's Championship at Vengeance Day in Charlotte, North Carolina on February 4th. We're going to be covering right here on The Wrap on the late night edition on a Sunday morning. But I thought this match over exceeded expectations, if that's a word. But the finish for me left a lot to be desired it was kind of dumb so i'm looking to walker hbk as well sir what are you doing here i know that that the saudi news probably shook you too but mm, choices but scott has some standouts that he wants to talk about from this match it really maybe inspired him to say that somebody has next in the division and i might co-sign or not depending on who he picks yeah, I think I'll go with the the first obvious one, uh, Sol Ruka. I thought she had a nice showing. She had her Kofi moment, which was, and but the most impressive part about it was that 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 uh, sit up she did. That was like wow. Okay, uh, she looked great. Uh, and and Keila again, help me with this name. I asked you this off air, and I think Lyra, Lyra, Lyra Valkyria, Lyra Valkyria. So they really just. They just had to have a, a, a Valkyria there, huh? Whether it was going to be Taya or Laya, it was they was going to have a Valkyrie there. So I <laughs> guess that was happening. She looked, she had a nice showing. I, I thought she got a lot of love. I thought she got to have some nice moments. And you know, Keila, I thought I agree with you in that this match had everybody had good moments. One thing I really, really hated was that after every single elimination, every single person had to do some type of, uh, whether it was holding the ropes or waving to them or doing the boohoo face, everybody had to do that, you know, had to give their little bye-bye wave after 
every single <laughs> elimination. I mean, literally after everyone, you're like, all right, let's see what they're going to do. All right, let's see what you're going to do. Or what you got for me. I did get a kick out of my new Cheddar Biscuits fave, Cora Jade, um, continually running into the room. No, 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 no. Excuse me? (laughs) Pause. Flag on the play. Mm Mm-mm. Stop. When the hell did she get Cheddar Biscuits? When she got that tan. Sir? That Florida tan. Listen, I almost want to say what I want to say, but I ain't going to say it. <laughs> there was some some um, appropriating going on. I'm going to leave that alone. But you go ahead. There, was, there might be a little bit of that going on. Um, I don't deny that. But as of right now, she can have a biscuit. Um, so <laughs> as of right now, she can have a biscuit. She's got to carry the kendo stick, though. Um I did enjoy her running back into the ring multiple times and trying to eliminate Lyra and failing every time. I thought that was fantastic. And her just spazzing out. Um, but yeah, Soul and, and, and Lyra, I thought, really stood out to me uh, as people who have next. And I thought this whole battle royal was kind of showcasing of who's going to be next up for Roxanne. Um, you know, I think Cora Jade is obviously, I think that's the WrestleMania, uh, the WrestleMania match that they're going to go to. Core versus Roxanne, the the best friends turn enemies. Um, I think that's where they're going. But I think we'll see Sol Ruka get those opportunities. Lyra will get those opportunities. I don't think Zoe Starks is going anywhere quite yet. She had a nice showing. Um, the key to Lions, man, I used to be so high on her. And I'm watching her in this thing going, man, I, I'm not interested anymore. And I didn't think I'd feel like that. Kiana James and uh, – and um, what's uh, Coyote Ugly's name? I can't remember oh, her name. Oh, my God. What's her name? you broken me, sir. I'm gone. <laughs> Coyote Ugly. I'm in space right now. I'm, in, I'm on Mars. You Coyote Ugly? Are we talking about Fallon Henley? There it is. Yeah, Fallon Henley. Oh, Fallon Henley. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me she doesn't remind you of the Coyote Ugly chick. Sir... <laughs> I don't exist on this plane right now, so you better keep going. Um, coyote ugly. That's a throwback. Some people are probably like, what is coyote ugly? Don't waste your time. Um Google it, children. Google it. <laughs> don't waste your time. It's not worth the time. It's not a good movie. It's a cult classic, damn it. It is yes, a cult it classic. Is. It is a cult classic, but that, I don't think it's like I don't know how well it holds up. Let me say that. Well, you remembered it enough to say that Fallon Henley reminds you of that movie. Was it the mechanical bull for you? Was it that that so, really drove you to that decision? I watched Yellowstone after I watched NXT, and the girl in Yellowstone is the main character from Coyote Ugly. And then it, when I was watching, I'm like, yo, that's where I keep... Because I kept thinking, like, what does she remind me of? And then it, it all linked together when I watched that. So it was a roundabout way to connect the dots for me. I am blown away right now by all of this. Yellowstone, Coyote Ugly. A very strange marriage. But if I am making Cheddar Biscuit confessions. Here we okay. go. Oh, my God. It better not be Jack Off Jensen. For, sir, I'm about to, <laughs> I was about to fire off the F-bombs to end oh, all F-bombs. Okay. No. Hell no. He would never get a cheddar biscuit out of me, okay? Oh, That's just no. 
Now, who will get a cheddar biscuit or four out of me four. is Lyra Vicaria. Okay. She is very, very pretty. She yeah, is no stunning. Doubt. She is stunning. So she'll get biscuits out of me. Cora Jade, choices by you. And then I know what your kink is now, Sky. You talk about me and championships? No, sir. You have a kink for weapons. <laughs> if Liv Morgan wills a baseball bat, you're weak in the knees. And I guess the same happens with Cora Jade and her kendo stick. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But then the, the, the weaponry, when they kind of walk to the ring, it does, it does do something for me. See, and you talk about me. The danger element. (laughs) He took my championship bias. Get out of here. (laughs) Get out of here. You have to go Brooklyn. Get out of here. You found it. You got me. Yes. Guilty. Accusations. Founded accusations. Founded accusations. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about me and my championship bias. Lara ain't got no championships, and I think she's beautiful, and she'll get four biscuits out of me. She was real close to a title shot tonight, though. See, you're not going to hang that on me. You're not going to hang that on me. And then it was your girl that eliminated her. And then she was just, Cora was a fucking menace. I will say she was hilarious in this She match. was great. <laughs> she came back just to eliminate people. Just to taunt them. I love that. So that was probably, that was probably her finest hill work to date. <laughs> it really was. Like, she was a fucking troll. I respected it, though. But. We got to talk about the finish of this match because crazily enough, I was rooting for my girl, Jesse Jane, to actually eliminate Gigi Dolan from this match. I was like, yes, Jesse, your moments now. I think that her and Roxanne could have a pretty good match. And then the fight continues and it's even, it's back and forth. And then ultimately, Gigi and Jesse fall at the same time. And the referee says, well, guess what? You two losers both win. Congratulations. You both get to face Roxanne Perez at NXT Vengeance Day for the NXT Women's Championship. Let's not give credit to who fell first. You both fell. Therefore, you're both losing up. What a dumbass finish. Walker, HBK, you tried it and you ruined what was an actually pretty good battle way out. Yeah, and you know, instead of, you know, building to a match you could have on TV where you have JC and Gigi face each other, you know, for that number one contender spot, since you don't know, you just decide, like you said, for two losers to both win. Like and and, and let's let's talk about that finish. Let's let's go ahead and break that down, shall we? Um both ladies fall. They tried their best to do it at the same time. I give them credit. They did it was the idea was a good attempt. We have one referee on one side saying, nah, she fell first, she wins. You got three on the other side saying, no, we all saw her win. Yet this one referee was able to convince those three. And then we got replay now. Now all of a sudden we got instant replay. Where was that replay when Cora Jade was out there for the the last half of the match just harassing Lyra? Y'all didn't replay none of that. That should have been replayed. where is Adam Pierce? That's the dude that likes to come out and try to try to fix things. Where is he at? He who who runs NXT now? Because oh, I'm sorry, not Adam Pierce. HB Hunter, Hunter HBK. Why didn't you come out? I'm I got Adam. I'm thinking about Adam Pierce for some reason. Hunter, why didn't HBK? Why didn't you come out and, and say something like, "Oh, Lyra, you come back into the match too"? And everybody should have just came out. Should have just redid the entire thing. I mean, they all lost, right? So I guess it doesn't count for any of them. This was absolutely 
ridiculous. And like you said, it was it put a, a sour taste on a good match. I thought I was with you. I thought J- and the crowd, man, like sometimes this crowd is the worst. First, they're cheering for JC, and then for no reason, they just start cheering for Gigi. Like, come on, man. For what? What? No reason. Gigi didn't do anything to be a baby fit. Like, there was no, I don't know, man. The finish was awful. That's why I tried not to talk about it, because I really enjoyed the match. You know, the match was good. The finish was trash. Mm-hmm. And the fans annoyed me, too. Like, who do you want? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Like you, we got to leave Florida, man. We, we got to get out of here <laughs> this summer. Just, you could go to, you could be in Florida two times a month, but you got to, we got to leave at least, at least once or twice a month, man. Cause they like, they don't know what they want. They clearly don't know what they want. I'm like, we on the Jesse train. Yay. And then like, go Gigi. Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Why? Like, can I root for mine? And then you flip flop. We listen. I love the PC. There are moments when that crowd is great. I go to Deadline, that crowd, awesome last month. And then we have shows like this that tell me, can we go to Center Stage in Atlanta? Can we go to my hometown and do an NXT on the road on a Tuesday night just to liven up the atmosphere a little bit? Can we run another city outside of Florida and then come back twice a month as you suggested? Because this right here, I can't do it no more. You know, my, I, I do wonder about that. I know we got to talk about SmackDown, I, and, uh, but I do kind of wonder about that. Like, how expensive is it for for NXT specifically to travel to, like, some of these small... Like, I know me, where I am in Virginia, there's a lot of smaller uh, arenas and venues that you could absolutely put a wrestling ring in and have 500 people come to, you know? And that's that's more than enough for NXT, you know, for for that type of crowd. So I do wonder how expensive that is and why they, they don't travel more. You know, and again, it doesn't have to be every week, but at the least you should be doing it, I feel like, once or twice a month. I just wonder how expensive that is as to as it pertains to why they don't do it. Well, I've heard heard of I have heard of the years that it is a money loser. And that might be why they don't want to travel that much. But at the same time, you make so much money. I think the losses would be minimum at this point. Right, right. So I would just say, eat the losses, get this crew on the road, get them more real-time experience. Because I think that working two shows a month plus NXT every week, it's not enough. You need to at least work three or four days a week to really hone your craft. The PC is a completely different beast versus the road life versus you working matches every Monday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the same with SmackDown as well. You need three to four days a week to really get it together. And the PC life can only do so much for you. Yeah, you get better, but you'll get so much better on the road working with different people and working different styles and working from different people that's not going to give you the same reaction because it's all you get in one location every single week or twice a month. It is very sterile. And it does kind of affect what you do between matches in a lot of ways because you do get checked out when the fans don't care about you anymore once you plateaued on NXT. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, where AEW I think has an advantage as far as some of the younger talent is Tony's will let them, obviously they have to win their match. He's not letting nobody lose, but 
he will let them go out and do some of these other shows during the week. You know, they'll do their big tapings for Dark. You know, they'll do their elevation tapings and whatnot. But he'll let them go out and they'll wrestle multiple times during the week for these solid promotions. They're getting these reps. They're wrestling in front of these different crowds. And they're able to come back and, and really utilize that. And, you know, that's just them getting reps and, and, and practicing. And just and I think that really benefits them in the long run, especially some of that younger talent who really need those reps. And I, WWE has to figure out something similar to that, whether it's you let NXT start doing some more shows. Like, I, don't they have a partnership with like Evolve or something like that? Like, you got to figure. Oh, I know Evolve's not around, but I think they have a partner. They have to have a partnership with somebody where they have they can send some of these people to just get reps because that's really what they're missing right now. Exactly. And that's going to result in better work down the road. And hopefully that leads to some road life stuff for the summer because it ne- it's sorely needed on NXT at this point. As we segue to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I thought this was a solid show. And I thought that our matchup involving Gunther versus Braun Strowman for the Intercontinental Championship was, I would say, in my humble opinion, my favorite match from Friday night because it had a very conclusive finish. And this was a big hoss battle, one of Braun Strowman's best matches in WWE since since his return and possibly one of his best matches ever since his trilogy against the Big Show and his matches against Roman Reigns over five years ago. And Gunther is that guy, the ring general in every sense of the word. And Braun was right there with him. And what I like about this match is the fact that Braun Strowman sold the chops because he tried it a couple of months ago by no selling like excuse me sir you're gonna sell these chops because i remember when he got chopped the second time and he tried the no seller but he felt that shit he felt all the chops on friday and i love the strategy of gunther going after the left shoulder to weaken a body part to really make sure he couldn't hit his finisher when need be i love the chop exchange the clothesline battle i just loved the physicality of this match between both guys we had some imperium interference courtesy of my guy ludwig and giovanni vinci that did not work and ultimately this match came down to Strowman daring to go on the top rope going for a superplex that was not meant to be gunther goes after the bash shoulder once again and granted it wasn't pretty he power bombed Strowman for the win Finish aside, it wasn't perfect, it wasn't clean, but this was a really strong match featuring two horses that really had great chemistry. And at the end of the day, the right person won. This was a match I was really looking forward to. I've been looking forward to for a while. And they lived up to the expectations. I, I think Braun is a good big man worker. Um, and I, you know, he's better than most most people give him credit for just because he's Braun Strowman. Um, I thought again, this I, this really might be one of his best matches ever. And Gunther gets a big part of that. Um, I One thing I enjoy about Gunther and all of his matches, um, especially like some of his, match, his matches he has uh, when he was a UK champion, is he finishes matches with three. He's got three finishers that he could finish a match with. The Lariat, the Powerbomb, or that Frog Splash, which he uses when he doesn't finish you with the, with the uh, Lariat or the Powerbomb. And so I... I like that element that he's able that he uses these different moves. So each of those near falls meant something. When he hit the lariat, that meant something. When he hit the frog splash, it meant something. They're like, oh yeah, because he 
the, the frog splash came after a kick out. He reacted and he moved quickly. I like that in a heel. You know, it's, or actually not even just a heel, but I like that in just a wrestler where they react real quick and then they go on to the next next big move instead of shocked face, mouth hanging wide open for 10 seconds as you try to wait for the crowd to start clapping and cheering instead of treating this like a real sporting event and attacking the man while he's hurt and down on the ground. I like that as I like that aspect of it and it makes it feel like this is the most important thing to him. Um the the exchange of of rights and chops was great. Braun Strowman, I thought he brought a nice level of physicality to his matches. Uh, and the crowd, again, regardless of what you think about Braun Strowman, that crowd is with Braun Strowman. They believe in Braun Strowman. They think he can beat anybody on that roster, and that's important because that means you can put him against heels like Gunther, and Gunther beating Braun means something. Like Especially with Vince McMahon coming back, no one would have been shocked to see Braun Strowman beat Gunther. So I, I love the finish, love the match, um, th- thoroughly enjoyed it. And honestly, I would not be opposed to seeing them run this back. Me neither. I would love to see it once again. I thought it was a really good matchup. Braun, Steamboat Gunther early on, which I appreciated. And Gunther is that guy. He's a dominant champion. I would love to see my guy on pay-per-view or a PLE more often defending that championship. He's a TV championship defender right now. I want this guy on the main, main shows because he's so great. But otherwise, this is a really strong way to kick off the show. Hot crowd in Green Bay. And I loved Braun's tribute to that that young man, that young boy, I should say, that was ran over and killed in that parade attack a couple of years ago and I just thought that it was a classy move to wear the shoes and auction them off. And I just thought it was a really, really beautiful tribute to that young boy that passed away over a year ago. And it was a nice way to kick off the show all in all. And Gunther is still the champion and my dream scenario of Gunther versus Brock Lesnar is a possibility. I'm ready for it at WrestleMania. If they go there, it would be incredible, but all in all, Fun way to kick off SmackDown on Fox as we segue to a bonus topic because, you know, Scott and I have been working together for over a year now and it takes time for co-captains to really form a bond regarding what one is thinking. So I swear, as I put together our rundown for this week, I watched SmackDown on Friday and I was ready to type Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> then I thought about it. I thought about my co-captain. I sensed maybe Scott wants to talk about Liv Morgan. I'm going to erase this as a topic, and I'm going to see <laughs> if my co-captain is going to broach the topic for discussion. And sure enough, I check my DMs. And I saw a message from my co-captain telling me, by the way, can we slide in Liv versus Raquel as a topic of discussion? And I was like, right on cue. Oh, my co-captain, my co-captain. Let's talk about Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez. I would give you the floor first because I know you too damn well now. (laughs) <laughs> first of all, <laughs> first of all, shout out to you because you you read me like a book, all right? You read me like a book, so you got me there. Um, secondly, 
I think I'm going to shock some people with what I'm about to say here about Liv Morgan. Um, I actually really enjoyed this segment, her slapping Raquel and Raquel being like, yo, I am sick and tired of everyone around here just acting like I'm just this happy-go-lucky person who smiles all the time and runs lines on my back. Oh, that is who I am. But I did like that she was like, acknowledged that and was like, I'm not, I'm not taking this no more. I'm, I'm, I'm about to show you who I am. Now, it had me thinking, Charlotte Flair is a champion. And, you know, and Liv Morgan's been talking about, oh, I'm going to start at number one. And, uh, you know, I want the hardest path. And they're like, oh, you're an idiot. You know, why would you want the hardest path? You should just want to win the match. And, you know, you're an idiot. And I get it. But it really got me thinking, like, this whole thing with Liv Morgan, this whole thing started with Charlotte Flair. The whole thing. She she went away and was like, you know, when I come back, I'm going to be better than ever. And, you know, she came back, went after Becky Lynch that, you know, she cashed in. We got all that. She beats Ronda a couple times. But this whole thing started with Charlotte Flair. Now Charlotte's the champion. Liv Morgan coming in at number one, shocking the world to win the Royal Rumble and challenging Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Man, I think I'm completely on board with that story. And I know it sounds crazy. Rhea can get her, her she can get the WrestleMania any way she wants to, and people will believe it. But I, I think this Liv Morgan story has legs. Like the people will get behind Liv Morgan, and we've already seen it happen. We've seen crowds get behind Liv when you tell a story and you let her fight from underneath. And she took the loss like she should have. She got beat decisively. That's fine. Because I think Raquel would be a great first challenger after WrestleMania for Liv Morgan. So, again, this is all about the follow-up. And if this is the game plan, if Liv Morgan wins the Royal Rumble, challenges Charlotte Flair, beats Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, not only do you, you have, that's a legit star there. Liv Morgan is made if she beats Charlotte at WrestleMania. Because ask Asuka, ask Rhea Ripley, you don't do that. You don't get to beat Charlotte at WrestleMania. And then Raquel could be there celebrating with her. And then she could pull a Kevin Owens and slam her right against the steel and just destroy her and become that badass heel that she should. Because Liv doesn't need to keep the title long. I think that's the story you tell with Liv Morgan. And I think you not only create a new star in Liv, you create a new monster heel in Raquel right after WrestleMania. You have your whole summer uh, lined up with Raquel as this big monster and Liv chasing to get her title back. Um, but there is one thing, the elephant in the room, I'm still waiting on Liv to just acknowledge that she lost the title in the first place. That is my issue, too. And I love me some Liv Morgan, but I have given her two weeks for three months. And I, have had, <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't hell have a trade off right there. I mean, it is a hell of a trade off. And I've waited for two weeks, for three months as to why she's gone extreme why she loves tables so much, why she must pull them out during traditional matches, realizing you can't win that way. And I love Liv, but it's stupid. But I love Liv. I want to preface it by saying I love Liv. And I loved your idea because I too felt away three years ago, going on four, when Liv initially left after she lost to Charlotte. And I loved the energy she gave. There was something about that match and it was something about Liv leaving and coming back. And granted, the, the return at Bobby and Lana's wedding was not perfect. 
and it was a miss. I love Liv in that moment, but it was a miss in terms of execution and some tone deafness by WWE because I preferably would want it to see Liv and Lana get together at the wedding, but oh no, let's play into old stereotypes, but I digress on all of that. So the pandemic hits and Liv's growth as this baby face is stunted and we kind of like pause and all of that. And then Becky Lynch comes back and Liv is revived as a contender. And it's nice to see from her champion. Nice to see. I do agree with you, Scott, in that it would be a great story at the Warrior Rumble if Liv truly is number one in the Rumble and she outlasts everyone and she wins. And we go back to the full circle moment of Liv versus Charlotte, where it all began over three years ago. I am sold on that. I'm even sold on Raquel being in her corner and then flipping on her because that gives me a chance to re- to re-see Raquel as a badass during her initial time on NXT and that this smiling, lovable baby face that is so out of character for her. So you set the table beautifully as to what would happen at WrestleMania, what could happen at the Warrior Rumble if WWE goes there. The story writes itself, and I think Liv and Charlotte were great together heading into WrestleMania. But I, too, still wonder when Liv will acknowledge I lost the SmackDown Women's Championship to Ronda Rousey at Extreme Rules on October 8th, if I'm not mistaken. And I have waited three months for two weeks about what happened. And I still have my answer. And all of my timeline is messed up because it's been two weeks for me for three months. <laughs> she playing games, man. Like, uh, uh, that's all we need. I just need her to be like, and look, you know, I know Rhonda got me. I never got my title back from Rhonda. So I'm going to get it back from the person this all started with. You say that, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You're good with me. You acknowledge your past. You acknowledge that you messed up and you should have went after Rhonda. And now you're going after what you should have. I, you're good with me if you do that. Now, they're probably not going to do that. And, you know, Liv's probably going to be like the first one eliminated by Raquel. Raquel will probably be number two and toss her out like immediately. And be like, See, I told you, you should have been number 30 since they get to pick their number, obviously. Yes. Can we bring back the Tumblr? Man, I swear that is... That is one of the few things that Vince McMahon had, or if, if, if it was his idea, but that's one of the things that I do want from the Vince McMahon era is that Tumblr and seeing them pick out their random numbers. That was great. I loved it. <laughs> Just the reactions of, fuck, I got number five. <laughs> yes, yes. You could, hey. tell how, you could tell how early or how late someone was coming in just off the face. Hey, I got number 25. Yay, I got number seven. This is great. I missed the Tumblr. Bring back the Tumblr, damn it. It's my favorite kind of lottery. As we segue into the main event of Friday Night Smackdown involving Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And I think this was a pivotal turning point in the ever-evolving bloodline Sami Zayn saga. As always, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn deliver against each other in the ring. They are truly soulmates in that regard that will always give their all against each other. All of their matches always hit. It is never a miss. They can wrestle a thousand times in a thousand different ways and it will never be old. And these guys delivered on Friday night. And Sami was actually in control of this match. He fought off a fisherman's buster suplex off the top rope 
Avalon style by Kevin Owens. He fends off a stunner and a pop-up powerbomb. He lands not one, but two exploder suplexes on Kevin Owens. And Kevin is in prime position to eat the halluva kick. Then, from out of nowhere, Jimmy and Jey Uso, the tag team champs, swarm the ring, and they attack Kevin Owens. And there is a DQ. And Sami Zayn goes from, I'm about to win, to what the hell are you doing? This is supposed to be my moment. This is supposed to be my victory. What are you doing here? And Sammy's face said so much in that moment. And then on top of that, we have Solo hit the scene and we have Jimmy and Jay saying, this is your moment, Sammy. You won. We did it for you. Join another fight. And still, Sammy is very apprehensive about joining the beatdown because he's thinking to himself, this is supposed to be my moment. I was supposed to win. I had the match won. What are you doing? So we have this three-on-one beatdown, and Sammy's watching from afar, and we have the Usos beat down Kevin Owens. We have Solo deliver two Samoan spikes to KO, and he's on the announce table laid out flat, and Solo, the mercenary, the badass of his crew, is going to deliver a running frog splash to Kevin Owens through the announce table, a sickening spot that I loved, and once again, Sammy's looking on like... I did not co-sign on any of this, but he's trying to roll with it. He's going to throw up the ones. He's going to stand by his brothers and he kind of kicks Kevin Owens while he's down, but his heart's not in it. And Sammy's performance through all of this was great. Even backstage, Paul Heyman says, hey guy, hey Sammy, my dude, you will be going into this match all by yourself because we have faith in you to beat Kevin Owens on your own. And that was a setup because the ambush was already in. The fix was in, to quote the late, great Dusty Rhodes. And I loved this storyline twist of Sammy possibly maybe opening his eyes into thinking that maybe the bloodline does not have his best interests at heart based on him not winning this match outright and them crashing the party and him feeling so mixed about what they did. This was a needed chapter in this story to sow seeds of doubt at long last for Sami Zayn. And that's going to continue heading into the Universal Championship match between KO and Roman Reigns at the Warrior Rumble in two weeks at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, you laid that out really well. Um, one thing I'd like to point out about the the finish of the match, when Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had their classic at Battleground, and Sami Zayn uh, actually beat Kevin Owens, because I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Keela, I think Sami's only beat Kevin Owens one time in their matches in WWE so far. Because I know he never beat him in NXT, and I think the only match he won was that battleground match. And when he won that match, he that finish was exactly the same. He hit two back-to-back exploder suplexes um, and then followed it up with that hell of a kick. And that's exactly what that finish was. So I don't know if they did that intentionally, but that was a great little callback. Uh, another moment in the match that really had me step out my or jump out my chair when Sammy hit that brain buster on the apron. That was nasty. Um, but yeah, this... I think the way you said that this could be the first kind of uh, uh, the first of a series and chain of events as far as Sammy leaving the bloodline. This was kind of supposed to be Sammy doing it all by himself. You know, they cut a promo earlier in the show where Paul Heyman was essentially saying they're not going to be here tonight. You know, this is 
this is all you. You know, we did this because we wanted it to be all you. And Sammy at first was a little apprehensive, like, dang, nobody here to have my back? Like, nobody here for me? And then he was like, all right, no, nah, I got this. I'm going I'm to I'm handle this. And he had psyched himself up to the point where he was like, I, I'm good. And he had Kevin Owens beat. Like, I think it's more to it than just the bloodline thing. I think it's a it's a personal thing where he had Kevin Owens beat the guy that he doesn't beat that often, but he's he's on that role where he had him beat. There's a lot of layers to this story. And again, Kevin Owens, I mean, Sami Zayn has just been, uh, he's been great. He's been fantastic at saying everything that needs to be said without saying a word. It was perfection. Sammy has one of the greatest faces in professional wrestling. It's so adorable. That's why he gets cheddar biscuits, Scott. Unlimited <laughs> supply of cheddar biscuits. Unlimited supply. Yes. Well, he, I, I get it. He's in the bloodline. I, you want to talk about gold. Excuse me. That's <laughs> two, four, six titles over there. You know what, Scott? You're going to stop hanging these accusations <laughs> on me about me having a championship fetish. I do not. Is this a coincidence that certain people at the table are associated with championships? Okay? No doubt. No doubt. Damn it. Every time I try, <laughs> you, br- you bring this back on me. I don't appreciate it. That's because you said unlimited. I was going to let it slide until you was like, unlimited? Absolutely not. Not Sammy. Unlimited? Yes. He ain't that funny. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. He, yes, he, he is admitted. That he, he can absolutely sit at the table. You're right. He's that funny. Yes. He can sit at the table. Unlimited supply of biscuits. No doubt. And that is reserved for him and Ludwig. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. That's an interesting conversation right there. <laughs> <laughs> All the discussions over fitness and world politics and, and life. Wor- working The difference between working for Gunther and Roman. <laughs> there are levels to this <laughs> hey at least sammy hasn't got hit by roman yet ludwig got chopped a couple of times last year that's a very fair and valid point ludwig's probably like man you don't even know what it's like i i you have, have you seen my chest it still hasn't recovered <laughs> i can still feel the sting that's a great point <laughs> see ludwig's been through some things Sammy's about to go through some things. Sammy's about to go through some things. <laughs> they have a great bonding experience, a red lobster. I'm just saying. So you have Cora Jade, I have Sammy and Ludwig, and Lyra at the table. That's a nice setting. Oh, one is not like the other, but that's okay. I definitely don't think Cora Jade compares to what you have at the table. No, mine is first class all the way. <laughs> you have Cora, and you can you can share a salad. And a glass of water. Well, if it's just, if it's just Cora, we can get we can get food. If it's just one person, we can go ahead and get a meal. You gonna spring for food for Cora? Really? Yeah, it's fine. You she cheap, she you ain't cheap ass. Eat that much. She ain't gonna eat that much. Look she, at you. She probably just want like some chicken tenders. Knowing her, she look like a chicken tender gal. Of all the things, let's not get the seafood. Let's get the chicken tenders. She would. Be, I absolutely see Cora Jade as a person that goes to a seafood restaurant <laughs> and gets some chicken tenders. <laughs> Almighty. And the fact that you would actually pay for them. That kendo stick works wonders for you, doesn't it? Sitting right there on the table. My God, it just works wonders. 
magic. It pays meals. And here I am hustling for a fucking plate of salad. He doesn't want to pay for that. <laughs> but no, Cora J gets chicken tenders. She gets a full glass of water, biscuits, and a salad oh, over a kendo stick. Man. Don't let Liv be at the table with a baseball bat. He'll order like a whole fish platter. The, the, Catch of the day. The Admiral's Feast. Oh my God. That's actually what I get anyway when I go to Red Lobster. So <laughs> I that Admiral's Feast is on point, boy. I got I got dinner and sometimes I have enough left over for lunch the next day. Sometimes. Okay, you big baller, you at Red Lobster. Gift Won't cards. forget it. Only gift oh, cards. Yeah. You know, gift Christmas cards. just came around. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Let me hit the escape hatch now as we wrap up the show with the best damn television match we saw this week from WWE across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, even NXT, Level Up, perhaps main event, Ticket Off Fancy as well. So Scott, your selection for the best damn TV match you saw from WWE this week. Let me ask you a question before I answer this. Is the gauntlet match going to be counted as one big match or are we counting those as four individual matches? I would say I would count it as one big match. I think I'm going to give it to the gauntlet match, man. I, I liked how each match was different, and I, I enjoyed the finish. I thought the Street Profits match was actually particularly really fun, and Damian Priest really stood out to me in a good way as just really being able to work that whole match. The Gunther Braun match was fantastic, but I, I have a great appreciation for Damian Priest do, going that 45-minute match. Agreed. He really put in the work. He's really great as of late. The striking ability is on point. His personality is shining through. The guy that I knew and love from NXT a couple of years ago is shining through with Judgment Day about damn time. And I'm so glad we dropped the all rise for Judgment Day. That was such shit. He's just terrible. Right. So I'm very happy he's able to be himself once again under the Triple H administration, which has gone unchanged as we record this show could ever be evolving that's what regarding, they say. I mean, allegedly. That's what they say. You know, and, he, just, and he also said that that's something that could change too. So he's like, <laughs> listen, as of right now, he hasn't taken my job. Yes, but that could change right. on Monday. You, you never know. I'm glad he was honest saying, you know, I have the job for now. No, you're, you're right. You're right. For now. You're right. Because let me tell you, if Braun would have won that title, I would have I would have been like, hmm. I got questions. Me too. So we'll see. The Royal <laughs> Rumble would tell us a lot heading into WrestleMania because last year was a shit show. And I'm hoping this year is a better booked Rumble for both the men and the women. As for my pick for Match of the Week, I'm going to go with Gunther and Braun Strowman for the IC title on SmackDown on Friday. Really great big cost battle. Very even matchup. Both guys really delivered. And Gunther is a very dominant champion. And I wish the very best for him heading into WrestleMania season as well. Strowman is a lot of fun this go round. Dumb tweet withstanding. But he and Ricochet did broker peace. And for that, I am grateful. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I, I really, really enjoyed that match. Like I Braun, I think Braun's been really good since his return. He's filled the role that he's been asked to fill really well, which is that upper mid-card babyface monster. And again, like I said, the crowd is completely with him. So I think he's been really good since he's come back. 
And I think him and Ricochet would be a really fun tag team if they decide to go with the makeshift teams. I think they should be in that tag tournament. Agreed. I would love to see that as well. And, you know, who's in that tag team tournament as well? That I think they realized that a certain nickname was associated (laughs) with a porn network. I don't think I heard the term banger bros this week on SmackDown. Did you? I I did not. I I didn't hear banger bros, bang bros. I didn't hear nothing about (laughs) bros getting banged one time on SmackDown this week. Hmm. I wonder why. Is Google thy friend after all? Google should have been your friend before you decided to put them (laughs) two together. (laughs) They don't even need a name. They don't have to have no clever name. Just let them be Seamus and Drew. Like, the, the banger bros. Like, how do you say that and think With like, a straight face. Right. And, uh, all right, whatever. They, they're they're going to have some type of name. You Like, WWE has to, like, they have to. That's It's such a wrestling. I hate that about wrestling. You put two guys together, they have to have some type of name. And if you don't have anything clever to come up with, just combine their names. I will never forget when it was Evan Bourne and Kofi Kingston, what are we going to call them? Air Boom. <laughs> Not Airborne. <laughs> Not Airborne, <laughs> you know, because that's that, that works. Not Airborne. Air Boom. What? <laughs> what? Air Boom Airlines. They Air took flight. Boom. Because they fly really high. That was, that, and that was a really good tag team, too. They were a really good tag team. Kofi is truly a tag team specialist. We love him here. I'm just glad that WWE said no more to Banger Bros this week. <laughs> and look at London, London and Kendrick. Look, they don't have a name. See, they could be like that. Exactly. There's no need to brand everything. Hopefully it was a lesson learned. Let them be the brawling brutes, damn it. Let them be adopted into that family. I'm okay with that. But as we segue away from Banger Bros, it's now time to put a wrap on this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. I want to thank my co-captain who went from salty to pissed all in the same show once again because technology for him is always a bitch. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. Uh, you know, thanks to my captain, oh, captain, being nice with the the technology. Y'all didn't realize that Rey Mysterio booyakud me again. This dude pissed off because I saw him get choked out. Uh, we won't talk about how the lights went from white and black to regular color to blood red when he got choked out, but that's a whole other thing we'll say for, for next week as apparently the colors change depending on the mood. Apparently, Karrion Cross is a walking mood ring, so we'll save that for next week. You know, that was appalling, by the way. <laughs> First of all, before we even end the show, because I have to dive into this. Um, so the fashion choices by Karrion Cross this week. Hmm. He thinks he's Hitman. No. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no. He's not. He's not that. That was a fashion faux pas. I'm booting him for that. That was bad. I love his hair. His hair is a win. But the suit game? Mm-mm. And Scarlett know, know better because she dresses. Yeah, what? 
She know better. Let's come on now. Style him better, girl, please. So quick dig there. Could not resist. But we will be back next week. We are going to be one week out from the Warrior Rumble, a preview special of our predictions of who is going to win the 2023 Warrior Rumble for the men and the women. We got Jeremy Feinstein on tap for that. Very excited. So until then, enjoy the week to come in WWE. May there be no fire sales via Twitter of WWE to report. And until then, enjoy the week. Be safe out there for myself and for Salty Scott Young. That's a wrap on all things WWE. Take care. Uh, Bye-bye.